This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Josh Nicholas. I came across silver underwear the other day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I like, um, and they, the purpose of those silver underwear was to um, help mitigate the radiation or um, what do you call it, ra- radio waves that come out of our, um, our mobile phones that we slip into our pockets all the time. This is my friend Victoria Lai. She's the founder of Fash Hack, which is a fashion hackathon. Basically, they cram a bunch of people who like fashion and technology in a room together and see what they can create. And those silver underwear Victoria was talking about, that's underwear made out of actual silver. And it's just a taste of some of the crazy stuff people are dreaming up in this space. So we ran um, uh, Australia's first fashion tech hackathon last year and um, we had 14 um, startup ideas that came out of it. We saw um, a variety of uh, um, technological um, uh, applications uh, ranging from anywhere from AR, VR to um, wearable technology to, uh, to mobile apps and marketplaces. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of different, um, we call it business models um, that we've been seeing. So there's a lot in what Victoria just said. But basically, the fashion industry is getting hit by a bunch of new technology. You've got new kinds of materials, like those silver underwear. And you've got things like augmented reality, which is the technology that makes Pokemon Go possible. It allows you to look through your phone and see a Pokemon on the street. And soon, it could allow you to look through your phone and see what you look like in a new suit or a shirt or whatever. It's going to change the way you buy stuff online. Essentially, we're on the cusp of a new wave of fashion. It's imagine if you had like an iPhone and you'd never updated the software on it. Or you know, your computer, you never updated the software in hundreds of years. And then you're like, hey, this, is this the same thing? You know, could we do better? Possibly. So this is Mark Liu. He's a fashion designer currently based at the University of Technology, Sydney. What Mark is hinting at there is fashion's dirty little secret. For all that technology has advanced over the past few decades, fashion really hasn't kept up. Just think about something like a t-shirt. Yeah, thanks to a computer I can now order a t-shirt online, and they're really cheap. But they pretty much look exactly the same as they did a couple of decades ago. There's very little that is space-age about a t-shirt. Like when I think about how technology has been in, inbuilt in fashion over the last couple of decades, it seems like it's been used to make this a bit more extreme. Like fast fashion is only really possible when you can design something and send it to the, th- to the factory and get it back, you know, track the ships wherever they are. Like all these things are only enabled by technology. It's kind of made this worse, if anything. Is that right? Um, I'd definitely say so. Uh, the way that the fashion industry is built is on legacy. Right. Things work and have always worked a certain way, um, and technology has enabled that to be accentuated or exaggerated to the nth degree. You know, as you point out, fashion cycles are becoming shorter and shorter. Um, the ability to coordinate uh, what happens on a fashion runway to a factory right, has shortened so much that fast fashion is enabled. The problem, as we see it, is that those legacy systems shouldn't actually exist in the first place because there is a better way. 
And that's what we're attempting to do, right? How do we use technology differently rather than optimizing a process which is broken? Right? How do we raise the whole thing to the ground right, and start from scratch and think about it in a much more intelligent, in a much more sustainable way um, that's of benefit uh, for the future? So that was Eric Fu. This year, he and his friend Zoltan Saki founded a fashion startup called Citizen Wolf. Their idea is to use technology in a different way. Rather than making clothes in ever greater volumes at cheaper prices, what if you use technology to make personalized fashion? Instead of going into a shop and buying clothes that don't quite fit, what if technology could make something just for you? We had this discussion around how hard it is to actually find clothing that fits properly. Right? In particular, I struggle with it because I'm short. I can't find clothing for the love of me in Australia that will fit uh, without some form of adjustment. Um, and the more we thought about it, we thought, well, why hasn't anyone sold this? Uh, it should be something that's simple. But let's go back to the beginning. Why is fashion broken in the first place? Why hasn't it moved with technology? The techniques that they were cre- that were created were created sort of, you know, in the 18th, 19th century, and it's almost like they haven't updated the maths in like hundreds of years. So Mark doesn't approach fashion from your typical perspective. He was a science and maths kid, and was really into sculpture. It was only in university that Mark really got into fashion, and he immediately started to question why things are done the way they are. When you make clothing, you sort of you pattern make. You take flat pieces of cloth that are cut into different shapes, you sew them together. And that was geometry. And I'd never really done pattern making before, but I was looking at the geometry and I was just asking a lot of questions. And I was like, this doesn't quite make sense to me. Or why are we doing it this way? And they're like, oh, just do it that way because that's how it's been done. And then that wasn't enough. I'm kind of nerdy in that way. So I'll go <laughs> to the library. And I'm like, 16th century pattern making techniques. Why did we do this? And then I'd go back and look at why and just keep on going back and just keep on going further down the rabbit hole, ask more questions. What Mark found down this rabbit hole is that the tools and techniques that fashion designers use to take our measurements just haven't kept up with our advances in maths. We're still taking measurements like it's the 16th century. So it's no wonder a lot of clothes don't fit very well. Say we all take a linear measurement of our body, we may have the same measurements, but we have completely different body shapes. And that's a really big problem because a tape measure can't capture the curvature of the body. So um, as designers, a lot of the time we measure the body and then we construct these flat patterns to these templates and you take all the perfect measurements and the garment doesn't actually fit. Mm. And then you think, what's wrong with me? And the problem is it's not wrong with you, It's the problem with the system it doesn't measure curvature so even if they take the perfect measurements the chances that it's actually going to fit you are basically just based on luck pattern makers were trying to use flat geometry on curved surfaces and that's why it just kept on failing and the more scientific they tried to be the more they failed because they didn't understand the, the science, science. <laughs> so mark decided to come up with a new way of taking measurements to make better use of our knowledge of geometry he created a little tool called a drape measure. It sort of looks like a protractor, you know, that little piece of plastic that you used to use in high school maths. He showed it to producer Jake Morecambe. Um, it's almost like, imagine a cone. 
Actually, I have one here. <laughs> yeah, let's is look at easy? it. Yeah. This is a drape measure and it can sit flat. And that's like, it almost looks like a protractor when it's laid flat. And it has a little marker on it saying that there's 360 degrees on the surface. But say I want to measure something curved. So the curved part of the body, it will oh. become conical and shaped. And it will have a measurement. So I can actually take this measurement and create um, a meaningful measurement that pathmakers can use to record curvature. So it's a bit hard to imagine, but it's basically a protractor that can mold to what it's sitting on. So if it's on your shoulder, it becomes an upside down cone on the point of your shoulder. And you just put it on your shoulder, but you can kind of put it like in you the waist put... area. Well, the waist like... actually creates a shape which is called a hyperbolic shape. Oh, wow. And these are... This... So there's so an additional map like, It curves inserted. around to the curvature, I guess. Yes. <laughs> the reason Mark created this little tool is because geometry changes on different parts of your body. It's a bit complex, so I'll get him to explain it. There's three different types of geometry. There's flat geometry, which is called Euclidean geometry, but there's also spherical geometry, so say around the bust or shoulders, um, any sort of curvy, like if you're a really curvy person. And then hyperbolic geometry is the saddle, a saddle shape or almost like the shape of, you know, Pringles. Mm. And um, <laughs> so things like the crotch or under the arms or the waist or all parts. So all parts of the body have different curvatures. Each of these geometries has completely different mathematical rules. So if you remember sort of the geometry that you did in high school, that mm. only applies for flat surfaces. Mm. So if you're doing stuff on curved surfaces, you need a completely different set. So what I would like to do is take these more accurate measurements and hybridize sort of high-end fashion with this high-end technology point, like this technology approach. And it's almost like fashion designers working hand-in-hand -hand with engineers to build a better system. So Mark is working on developing tools to change fashion on the high end, to take it out of its 16th century funk and make it a bit more personalized, to make fashion actually fit. But there's now a whole bunch of fashion startups working on doing exactly the same thing to regular fashion. In Australia alone, there's Shoes of Prey creating customized shoes, The Daily Edited making customized handbags, and remember Citizen Wolf from earlier? They make custom t-shirts. I took a trip over to Citizen Wolf's workshop. Here's Zoltan from earlier. We, we began the process by starting to think about how it could be different. Based on what I knew, based on what we thought we could bring to the party from our backgrounds in advertising, specifically like creating digital experiences. Um, and we, as Eric said, we just, we burnt it to the ground and we just started again. And we ended up developing a system which is, which basically allows you to get all the benefits of tailoring without knowing a single thing about tailoring. And sure, you can come into the store and, and we would hope that you do because the experience is great, but we actually worked really hard to develop a system which you can do at home. So Citizen Wolf's process of creating a custom t-shirt isn't entirely technological. For example, as I walk around the workshop, there's someone in the corner cutting material with a pair of scissors. And once all the material is cut, they send it to a seamstress in Redfern. But technology is slowly moving in. 
I mean, we started by cutting manually, and up until a few weeks ago, that, that's actually how we've made and sold every shirt. Um, that doesn't scale. And I think that's, that's why moving to laser and moving to an algorithm-based approach to pattern making is something that probably couldn't have been done um, in, the, in the distant past, you know? Like, could this have been done five years ago? Yeah, probably. But there is a lot of technology involved in Citizen Wolf's process. And they're adding more and more as it becomes available and affordable. It all starts with what they call the almost perfect t-shirt. It's like an idealized t-shirt, which you put on and see how it fits. They use that to collect data, which they feed into an algorithm, which goes into a laser cutter. You can put it on and it should look great on you. Right, but because everyone's different, little bits of adjustments are required. It might be that the shoulder seam needs to move out a bit because you've got broad shoulders. Or perhaps you're tall and therefore we need to make the length a bit longer. Or you're like me, you're short and we need to make it a lot shorter. Um, so when you're wearing the almost perfect tee, uh, there's a form that you just simply mark, well, what adjustments are needed? Um, what color you'd like? What are the design details? Simply take a photo of that form and email it to us or SMS it. And then the second part of our system is we have a, uh, an algorithm that outputs the pattern to a laser cutter, which can produce individual garments right, based on your exact specification. And from there, uh, once the panel is cut, it's uh, sewn locally uh, at Redfern uh, from one of our seamstresses and then sent to you. And the beauty of the system is that it's consistent year in, year out. Uh, so unlike traditional fashion brands, where every season a medium is going to change in shape, right, you can always order your perfect tee at any time and make whatever adjustments you want to it and order it in a variety of different colours or different styles. In the future, Eric and Zoltan hope to add more and more technology to this mix, each step bringing down the price until eventually you can buy a custom-made t-shirt for something similar to what you would a mass-produced one. Um, you know, the moment that we have robots actually <laughs> knitting and sewing, uh, I think we'll get to that point. Um, so it's not in the not-too-distant future. Uh, right now, the challenge is we are very, very conscious of avoiding you know, sweatshop labour. You know, so we pay, we pay our seamstresses a fair salary. The challenge is, without going into sweatshop labour, right, how do you get the costs down? Technology will, at the moment, right, will only get you to a certain point in that process. But in the, over the next few years, like everything else that technology touches, you know, we should see the, the cost per unit drop. Do you think it's also there's been a bit of a shift? Like there's a couple of different guys like you tackling different things. And you know, the shoes of prey doing it with shoes. Do you think there's also this, this shift where people are starting to realize, hey, it's not just 3D printers and me being able to make my own cup. I can make anything in, in, like with technology. It's, it's, it's starting to be an immediate thing. Do you think that's also it? I think that certainly helps. Um, for us, the biggest struggle is not actually the technology and supply side, right? It's actually the education process. No one goes around searching for a tailored t-shirt because no one knows it exists, right? Um, but as customization and personalization becomes more and more the norm, um, I think that only helps us in terms of making our life easier and not having to educate people on why they need personalization and why they need customization. Um, and a large part for us also is that t-shirts is only the beginning. Right? It's a first product to test the waters. Um, for us, it's about how do we change the way fashion is made and sold across a whole range of different garments, not just t-shirts. 
said was, but people don't necessarily want to be different. Like the, the thing about customizable fashion, I think we immediately think, okay, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna make like purple dinosaur shoes or whatever. Like they immediately think I'm gonna make the most far out thing because now I can. But at the same time, fashion is about trends. It's about, you know, there are some guys at the cusp pushing us forward and then the rest of us are kind of a little bit behind. And we don't want to be so different. Do, do you see that is also a problem in that I don't necessarily want to be custom. I want to fit in with everyone else. So it's an interesting question. And in the early part of the research that we had, um, it was quite clear that you hit a certain age and your whole attitude changes, right? Certainly if you're you know, a teenager right, or in your early 20s, the trend tended to be the clothes that I wear define who I am, right? So I want to be associated with that brand or I want to fit in. So therefore that's important to me. Um, the interesting thing is that the vast majority of the people we interviewed who were in their late 20s, early 30s, were at the stage where it's like, I know who I am. I don't need a logo to validate that, all right? I know my taste. I know exactly what I want. I just hate having to go shopping for it because I can't find it anywhere, all right? The beauty of the system that we've created is that we can actually cater to all of that. Now, we have people who are more than happy, right, with the perfect T-shirt that we've created in terms of the style, and they just want it fitted. Right. But then we've also had people who are much more fashion forward who have wanted some really far out design changes right? and a t-shirt which, where the very brief was, I want you to make something that, that will guarantee that I will never see another t-shirt like it when I walk down the street. Right. We've literally had half a dozen customers tell us that. The future of retail, and I've heard this from multiple people, the future of retail is personalization and customization. You've been listening to Think Digital Futures, stories from the digital age. You can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Think Digital Futures on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you've liked what you've heard, please rate us and leave a review. It really helps us get discovered. This program is a collaboration between UTS and 2SER and was produced by Jake Morecambe. I'm Josh Nicholas. Talk to you next time.